This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Corridor Cast. I'm here with Adi Shankar, who has joined me multiple times in the past. We've talked about the world for creators, the world of art, the world of film, personal endeavors, so many sketchy things. behavior, just sketchy general behavior. sketchy behavior, and how we can leverage it to improve. Yeah, to improve. But you're like, so if I if I were to sum sum up like my vision of you. For as a as an industry member, like not as a, not as like a personal friend, but just like as a guy in the industry, I would sum you up as like the the one guy, if not, yeah, the one guy who kind of understands how to turn video games into narratives and to do so in a way that's fun and effective and like pleasant to watch. And you're like, oh, this is the game that I love, <laughs> you know, among other things. And you kind of like, I remember you kicked that off back in the day with the bootleg universe, which is kind of this this foray into it, like. You explained it before in the show, but like, what would you describe the bootleg universe as? Like, why why are you compelled to pursue this thing? Like, why did I why did I do that? Yeah, why why did you start the bootleg universe, and why have you stuck with it for so many years? What is it about it? Well, that, I, like, I it, it was subversive take uh, subversive, but it was subversive takes on on just the things I loved. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to I wanted to, because I'm selfish, Nico. <laughs> That's why I'm really fucking selfish. Um, I can't love something without going into it, grabbing it and manipulating it some way. Right. And that's, that's what it was. Okay. Um, I mean, it's basically what we were doing on our YouTube channel too. It's like, I like yeah. Halo. I want to do an action scene in Halo and I'm not going to let anybody tell me no. Totally. And this is why, <laughs> this is why we became friends. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, they're doing what I'm doing. This is great. Like we should hang out. Um, yeah. And, and, um, yeah. And I guess Captain Laserhawk is now another evolution of that. I wouldn't say it's necessarily just what you said. I don't think it necessarily just applies to games. It's it's uh, cartoons. It's anime. It's it's right. It's like all, all it's the, all the culture that we kind of grew up with. It's the culture we grew up with. Yeah. 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 And so you just you just dropped a Netflix series, which is Captain Laser Hawk, based on Far Cry Blood Dragon, which is inspired like, by inspired by. You're right. Not based on. It's a very deep cut of a Ubisoft like franchise, but the the series itself is. I mean, it's hard to describe. It's like it's like the multiverse of Ubisoft. Did you like it? <laughs> I did. I it was, it, I could see I could see a lot of your influence in it. Plus the fact that you're also one of the characters, which was a, a yeah. fun little surprise. And I also look like the the, <laughs> the, the, the other. Dude. I look like the main <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, I didn't know you uh, you could do voice acting. It was actually really solid. Well, I'm I'm voice acting as an American right now. So. Oh really? Yeah. What's what do you have a, a can we drop the veil? Dude, I I do so many different accents. So we've talked about this before, right? So I was born in India. Mm-hmm. Um 
uh, in Calcutta. Then we moved to Madras, which is South India, Mumbai, which is uh, also India, but elsewhere. Now, these are different regions that have different dialects, different accents, different, different, uh, different cultures. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Hong Kong, which was a uh, British colony at the time, right? So, so I'm going to, so, so I literally adopted a British accent to fit it. When did you move to Hong Kong? How old were you? Five. Five. Okay. So, so all these places, you know, Mumbai, Chennai, Calcutta had the local accent. Then we moved to Hong Kong and I had a British accent. Huh. I put it on because I'm like, okay, this is how people talk. So. Did, did your parents speak English to you while you were growing up or were you speaking? What, what language did you start with as a kid? Hindi. Hindi? Yeah. Hindi. And so actually my, my mom is a Hindi speaker and, uh, and that's Calcutta. That's, mm-hmm. that's that part of India. But when you go to South India, Chennai, that's where my, my father's from. It's a different language. It's Tamil. <laughs> so my dad speaks Tamil. Hmm. So uh, I learned a little bit of Tamil when I was a, when I was very little. <laughs> so everywhere I was going, I was um, completely morphing my voice to like Mystique from the fucking X Men <laughs> fit in to the uh, the local culture, right? And then and then we then I then I end up going to a German Swiss school hmm. in Hong Kong, and I adopt that accent. So, so do um, you have, do you have, have you like, uh, have you obtained like a neutral accent? Like one that's like culmination of all them brought together? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> well, I, again, there's, there, you know, it's so like wildly disparate. And I, and, and I feel like part of you is begging me to like start using different accents. No, 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 no. But, but <laughs> you don't have to start doing impressions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, no, 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 no. I, I, because again, different accents, they use different parts of the, of the voice, right? Mm-hmm. I actually find it harder to communicate with the American accent. Do you, do you think with an accent? Like the voice in your head, does it have yes, any accent? Yes, that's a great question. Um, it depends on what I've been using and what I'm thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example, which is, which is interesting. Something that just recently happened to me. Um, last week, I was doing a TV interview for India. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking in my American accent. And then I, I said, look, can I just talk to you in my Indian accent? They're like, please, hmm. I dropped it. Go into my Indian accent. And the, the texture of the conversation completely shifted. It became different. And I was communicating. It was like, it was like a different site. Part of myself hmm. emerged, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, in a weird in a weird way it's almost like multiple personalities but again that's that's too extreme i don't want to say that but it's almost like that where um when you use a different accent a different part of yourself emerges not too dissimilar from like different clothes right like if you wear yeah a bandana like the times you wear a bandana and a feather boa like that's a different nico <laughs> a different that emerges nico. one than, that they don't see on youtube very right often. then then the then the cigar smoking leather jack jacket yeah. um which is the one that my children see. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with the Harley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, language is one of those things too, where it's like, it's not just the words, it's the rhythms, it's the intonations and all those things, you know, the musicality to it. And like different languages just express, like you think differently when you have different languages running in your mind. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
you, you, read, you read the book Snow Crash, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. I love that concept that you can program brains through language and how they learn to speak it, like dictates how fast they can calculate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's super sci-fi like and out there, but like it's a great premise for a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So back to Laserhawk. <laughs> Captain Laserhawk Captain Laser Blood Hawk. Dragon Remix. You should all watch it. Yes. It's on Netflix right now. Um, so you have the Castlevania series that you worked on and you have Laserhawk and you know, looking at, at Netflix, you know, there's other, like there's a cyberpunk anime that's out as well. Do you feel like animation is where like video game stories are going to live as opposed to like, like last of us, HBO style things or movies? Is it, is animation now the realm? So I don't feel like there's any one thing that is like necessarily the realm, mm -hmm. just like, I don't feel like there's any one thing that is quote the right way to do something. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's all going to exist. Um, it can all be done well um, with the caveat that there's too much content that's been made. <laughs> there's too few people watching that content and the content that is being watched is getting most of the eyeballs. Right. Yeah. And now we have strikes. We have uh, uh, an economic meltdown that's happening across gaming, film, TV, streaming, theatrical, all of it. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a fucking meltdown happening, right? I've had after Laser Hawk has happened came out, you know, when when you have a project come out, your your agent gets like incoming calls. Mm -hmm. People want to meet you. Okay, that's pretty normal. So fine, we set up all these meetings. Okay, Addy will meet this guy and that guy and that guy. Um, and then like two days before multiple meetings, they're like, okay, um, we actually can't do this meeting anymore. Everyone's been fired. Oh, wow. And I'm talking, these are like heads of companies. It's not, yeah, these are like mm -hmm. the president of yeah. the company or a company with, a, with, a, with an overall deal where they're like, okay, now the deal has been pulled. Mm. So the whole like, I guess, yeah. The, the, so the whole apparatus is, is not crumbling, but it is going through an evolution. Was, and well, because you, of that evolution, what gets made going forward may be different. You had an interesting we'll thing where you said different. that like some, so there's a lot of content, not enough eyeballs and the eyeballs that are there are disproportionately watching like one thing. Yes. Why is that? Is that just human nature? Are we, do we just need one thing that we can kind of unite under or is it just how content's being served to people because it's algorithmic? Oof. I, I don't think it's any one thing. Yeah. But I would, I would point to a few things. One, um, quality control. Um, has been a moving target, <laughs> right? There's been, there's been a lot of spending mm -hmm. and th there was an arms race. There was an arms race to, to, to build content libraries. Right. And the spending and, wasn't necessarily like, oh, what's the good idea that needs the money? It's more like, what's the idea that's going to pull the audience? all good ideas. Right. They're all being made by They're all good ideas. The they're all there. good ideas. You know, um, I realized this a few years ago. I'm like, oh, it, it's no longer... It used to be impossible to get something made and greenlit. Mm -hmm. So when we both started out in this business, it was fucking impossible. If you got something made, it was like crazy. Um, then it all, all of a sudden became a different context where it wasn't, it, 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 was, it wasn't like easy. I'm not going to say it was easy. But things were being just greenlit. Mm-hmm. Just, just cause things were just being greenlit, right? Business like, was happening. Business was happening. 
money was flowing. Deals were dealing, dealing, De- <laughs> wheelers were dealing and dealers were being wheeled, whatever the fuck that, that means. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that is over. That is just fucking over hmm. because, um, you know, again, we said quality control. Um, I, I would point also to the fact that when we had fewer distribution channels, you know, you you, you had uh, the the three major networks, and the uh, you have a global audience, but I'm just going to focus this on the, on the on America, just 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 cause. So you had NBC, ABC, CBS that mm-hmm. made stuff, and then you had H- oh, that that made like how would you des- how would you describe their their content? Uh, NBC, ABC, and CBS. It was like it was a classic sitcom comedy. It's like how can we make a show with like charming characters. It's like almost entirely writing takes place in a dang living room. And how can we like just make it so charming and fun that like, they also had like cop shows and procedure, you know, they had, that's they had true. cop shows, doctor shows formulaic. But yeah, find a format that you can reproduce every week that millions of people want to watch law and order. Yeah. CSI ER. And, but I feel like little by little that just, they had to keep turning the quality up, you know, until it's, you're effectively having to produce mini movies every week for yeah. your thing. But still, it's it's like those are the channels, and that was it. But they they kind of knew they were programming for an audience. Now, right. my perception at the time when we were first breaking in was like, oh, these they felt like gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of reexamining that um, that belief structure. Like, they were definitely gatekeepers. They, they were gatekeepers for sure. But were they also perhaps like? arbiters of quality (laughs) maybe not even quality is the right word here but they knew what the audience wanted and they were programming for the audience right right and they were also programming for commercials well you had that time slot competition right it's like it's nine o'clock on a thursday night everybody's in their house whatever we put on tv needs to be the best thing on tv otherwise they're going to watch this thing instead you don't really have that now it's like Oh, this show is literally fighting this show. Right. <laughs> you don't have that. So it's all gone, right? Yeah. So, which brings me to another point on all of this. If Sylvester Stallone releases a movie today on streaming in theaters, um, he's competing against, or that movie is competing against every Stallone movie that's ever been produced (laughs) (laughs) it's competing with every schwarzenegger movie that's ever been produced right it's competing with every action movie in america from america from korea from india right Mm -hmm. it's not just competing with what's being broadcast on abc at that That day yeah yeah it's intense so so there's a fragmentation in just the viewership in general Mm -hmm. there's too much content which is i feel like is one of the reasons maybe the strike took so long to sort out is it's like, we already have so much content. It's like, there's not a rush to start making more content. Again, I don't think it's, it was, I, I don't, I, I don't right, know. It's not one thing. It's not I don't feel thing. like it's one thing. I feel like we've got, you know, um, you also have these like, um, trying to find someone to blame here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the management consultants. It's like McKinsey and company, Bain and company. Do, do you know a lot about these people? I don't Tell want to me. do a deep deep dive, but effectively they've been kind of like the architects. I would argue they've been like the architects of a lot of the chaos that's happened in, 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 
<laughs> in America and in the world because their 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 whole um business model is fuck we shouldn't talk about this this is this is just, <laughs> is this just like just, algorithmic thought manipulation kind of stuff kind of but look yeah. their 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 whole thing is you know uh 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 shell will hire mckinsey and be like well, what do we do mm. and then um bank of america will hire mckinsey and be like what do we do and they're telling everyone what to do mm-hmm. because they're consultants you they get paid to consult and they're giving everyone the same advice which mm-hmm. is downsize scale like yeah um you know scale at all costs right so so we we've basically been in this world where fuck, how do i even say this it's like another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Wall Street and then the companies that are being financed by Wall Street are being forced to uh, have astronomical profits right. or astronomical or, or, or to prove that they have astronomical valuations mm-hmm. and that is unsustainable. Yeah. And that system is what's crashing. And that's not a, that's not a Hollywood thing. It's not a strike thing. It's affecting gaming. It's affecting, it's affecting the whole world. Mm-hmm. From, Specifically, an entertainment slice of things. I feel like there did that make a- any sense, or did I sound like it made sense? Fucking nuts. It made sense. I, I mean, I, I, would love I can to explain deep dive into it. That's but. the thing. I can deep dive into the fucking nuance of that and what what that is, right? But that was just kind of like the elevator pitch. Yeah, we can leave that as like that's the int- appetizer to the conversation. But if you want to find out more, if someone's listening to this and wants to find out more, just just Google McKinsey and Company. Mm-hmm. It's called McKinsey and Company. Just just Google them. AOL keyword McKinsey and company. Yeah. And, and <laughs> do a deep dive and, you know, there's the propaganda version of what they do. And then there's the, the reality of what they're, what mm-hmm. they, they do. And I'm get and yeah. And it's dark. <laughs> well, the thing that I've, I've observed and it's like, so we have a bunch of like tech companies in mm-hmm. entertainment now and like entertainment is a thing where it's always felt like a huge aspect of the economy. Like how like this Marvel film made how many millions of dollars? Avatar made a billion dollars, and like we talk about money, we talk about how much movies cost. But while they have this huge cultural impact, as far as like the actual money being generated compared to like other sectors of the economy, it's just it's not a, a big chunk. And I feel like I feel like tech companies are discovering that right now <laughs> as they, you know, as Netflix well, tries they, to become a huge company based off entirely just entertainment. Yeah. 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 I could be off beast. What do you, what do you think? I mean, again, I feel like content artists have been devalued through all of this mm-hmm. by calling it content and I'm yeah. calling it content. Cause I'm like kind of making fun of it. Um, but you know, uh, well, how do you, how do you Tarantino is not a content creator. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like, like, more Tarantino content for my theater to fill my theater minutes. <laughs> it's like, um, 
Well, that's like the that's the broadcast so, thinking where it's like you have a time frame. It's like we need to fill these time slots. I don't feel like it's broadcast as much as it because because broadcast did a great job of eventizing their broadcast. Right, they mm-hmm. created the Super Bowl. Right, they, they literally created the Super Bowl. They turned it into a thing. Um. So I don't know if that's broadcast thinking. Although I would argue that the TV people have taken over the entertainment apparatus and the, the film people have been. <laughs> demoted maybe. Um, Cause at the end of the day, what is the MCU? It is a massive TV show. Right. Where you just. It's like, what's the point of making one 90 minute episode of TV when you can make 10 90 minute episodes of TV? Exactly. Yeah. And release them in theaters. Yeah. And people fall <laughs> around. Okay. So. Uh, what was your question? I don't know. We were just going. Let's keep going. No, you asked a great question, though. And I feel like I fucking I did the thing where I. Um, you asked a great question. You said. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I like this talking like what's happening with the industry. And, you know, I was talking about. I, I don't know if this was the question. But I was talking about like the size of um, the size of entertainment and our perception of it as being part of like business yes. and the economy. Well, sure. Is, like the sure, reality sure, sure. So I, I don't again. I think Netflix is great. I will go out and say I think Netflix is great. Netflix has been great. And Netflix has been great to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of removing them from the conversation because we're talking about tech mm-hmm. so let's just talk about a tech ethos yeah like the subscription platform apps all like, of it yeah. right so um, or even like it, the Apple and Amazon side well, okay let's talk about Apple <laughs> yeah who made the iPhone Steve, well, not Steve Jobs, but you know, you Steve have Jobs no fucking idea. Johnny, you I, have yeah. no fucking idea who who made the who came up with the Vision Pro. You have no fucking idea. Apple. All you know is Apple, right? Yeah. So, in a way, like this tech ethos feels like we're going to get rid of people, we're going to get rid of superstars, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, the brand is the star. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The brand is the star. It doesn't matter who made the fucking iPad. Apple made the iPad. I mean, that's Disney, basically. Right. But you see how that ethos has been co-opted and adopted by entertainment. Because yes, that is Disney, but that wasn't Disney historically. Right. Yeah, you'd have, yeah, you'd have auteurs. Because Walt Disney was a fucking dude who was a star. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Apple was not a dude. Right. Apple is a fucking (laughs) Apple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like a logo. It's Um, like right now, if you're like, you know, who... Who comes up with the Mickey Mouse stories these days? It's like Disney. It's like who comes with like you know the the Marvel series? It's like Disney. Like yeah. so, I feel like the lack of broad. stars or an unwillingness to mint stars mm-hmm. has also hurt uh, the entertainment business and the the entire ecosystem, right? Because like the uh, and we, we we can expand on that in every fucking direction. But does that make sense? Yeah. And do you, are you seeing that trend also? I mean, I think the one thing you mentioned about like there, there's too much content and too little eyeballs. Um, you know, you can have too little eyeballs and too much content like that can work if the economics are set up where, you know, somebody can survive off 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 eyeballs, um, which is kind of what we're trying to do with quarterdigital.com, you know, where we can have like a small audience that can really support this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. However, you have not taken money from the venture capitalists. I have not. There's not some hedge fund breathing down your neck saying, mm-hmm. okay, Nico, listen, you're getting 10,000 views. We need you to get 100 million views. 
every day. <laughs> so we're going to scale you and go as big as possible. We're going to sink a lot of money into this and you'll turn to them and be like, dude, that, there's no way that's going to work or be profitable. Yeah. And they'll force you to do it and then quarter will be gone. Right. Yeah. That is the, the story for a lot of like tech companies or, or, or startups. Yeah. It's, it's that it's like <clears throat> they, they take on the venture capital and you have a, a debt that you have to, and then pay. you're forced to scale. Yeah. You're forced to scale because the management consultants, sorry. Yeah. It actually, it reminds me of advice I got when I was going to college, which was if you take out college loans, the time after college, you want freedom to try things like to go be an intern somewhere or work for free for somebody. And if you're paying, if you have to pay off a thousand dollars a month in a college loan, then, for, then the first thing that happens when you get out of college is you go and get a job. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happens when you do the venture capitalist thing and you go into debt and you take funding is like you've immediately taken on, on that debt. And now the first thing you do once you graduate from college is you have to get a job. You can't experiment. You can't try things. You can't have that. Freedom. It's that on steroids because right. now you're forced to take on more capital yep. in order to because because in this it's not, oh, you have to get a job. Mm -hmm. It's like, look, you could get a job, but we don't want you to get a job. We actually want you to get a PhD. Yeah. And we'll get you that PhD, but you have to do it our way, this way, and uh, it's going to cost you x. Well, it's going to cost you all this money, and you have to take it on. And you have so it's like they're telling you how to navigate yeah, your you're, business. You're trapped, and that's the only way out. You're, exactly. Yeah, you're so, in a high speed fucking car race with a bunch of other cars that don't want to be in that race, and are all being forced to. <laughs> And at the end of the at the end of the day, there's no finish line. There's a wall, and you're gonna all crash into it, yeah. right? <laughs> um, like there's a big Pac-Man behind you that's coming at you at a certain speed, and you have to keep your yeah. foot on the pedal. And this model got you know so what worked for Facebook, you know, long time ago worked for Amazon. So uh, we all have to, yeah, you know. And and it's like, what are you pushing exactly? Like a like a monopoly? That's what winning looks like. It's a monopoly, right? Because you were asking me. Um, earlier you're like, oh, well, there's you know, there's cyberpunk edge runners, there's Arcane, um, uh, Last of Us, right? Mm -hmm. And you were like, well, what direction is it going to go? And um, part two to my answer for that is, I don't feel like I'm in competition with anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to win. I feel like there's a lot of customers out there. Let's call them customers, audience, customers, viewers, enthusiasts, right? Whatever the, <laughs> whatever the fucking word is. There's a lot of people out there, fans. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they should all be served, right? And uh, if what I'm providing is not, uh, not what you want, well, then, okay, there's, uh, and it's too dark. Mm -hmm. Great. There's the Cuphead show, right? Which mm -hmm. is not dark. There's... Um, different options and i feel like more options is good for people for the consumer the audience um yeah, yeah. so like uh, like this this mindset of like having to win and having to be like the and and, and defining winning as everybody else losing <laughs> <laughs> that is some fucked up shit mm -hmm. and that is the tech ethos mm -hmm. Right, it's it's we're gonna gobble everyone up up, and there will only be one logo, and it'll be an apple, and no <laughs> one will know anything behind this or anyone behind 
this Apple logo because no one there matters. Mm. It's just a brand. It's just a brand. brand. And everyone will obey the brand. Speaking of immortal brands, to what extent, like, to what extent, to what extent do you think a company should own an idea? Like, you know, an, an artist writes a story. A publisher pays them, pays them for the rights. So now sure. the publisher owns the story. You know, if uh, for a couple of years, 10 years, 20 years, is there a point where, like, if your nephew has a birthday cake with that character on it, at what, should that character be part of culture and belong to everybody? Where do you, where do you see that transition? So part of me wants to just literally say I am the wrong guy to like I I'm the wrong guy to even talk about this, but I'm saying that because I've had like wildly divergent opinions <laughs> on this, right? Like I'm like copyrights bullshit, it's not real, dude. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know, right? Because I understand the concept of things being available to people, mm. and like. And at the same time, I also understand the concept of like someone needing to own something to incentivize them to keep doing it. Right. 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 Because it, it, it descends into like socialism, like the bad kind of socialism where it's like, oh, I made a game. Okay, great. Fuck you. Now the state owns the game. Right. You're like, wait, what? So it happened yeah. to the Tetris dude. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, they're like, great. Russia owns this game. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. I just made this game. Great. Right. Yeah. Well, you work for the Russian people, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, oh, man, I just feel like it's a, it's got to be a balance. Uh, it's just got to be a balance. I, I, I don't, wh where that line is, I, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, what I should Luke, Should Luke Skywalker be in the public domain by now? I've made you prime prime directive of the United States. You can decide whatever you want. Okay. So wait, so so I'm not Addy, I'm in charge of the United States. Yeah, or you're I mean you're still Addy, but you're like supreme ruler. But I'm Addy who's supreme ruler of the United right. States. Low stakes. No, then I would <laughs> seize it, then I would seize it for the United States. I would I would pass laws saying that no, this if 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 I'm the ruler of the United States, I'd start seizing all the IP. For the United States, for the good of the United States, right? Okay. Or, or well, that's assuming that I'm an evil ruler. <laughs> oh, man. I don't fucking know, dude. Like, because, you know, like, we, we both started making videos, and there's a sense of, like, I like Halo. I'm going to do a short film with Halo. Or I like Power Rangers. I'm going to do a short film with Power Rangers. Like, I grew up on these things. They are part of my identity to a certain point. I have ownership of that, you know? It's like, yes. sure, like, Bungie, you, you own Halo. Microsoft, you own Halo. Cool. But I also own a little bit of Halo 2. Like, the Halo that Absolutely. influenced me and, yeah. Uh, and, and the argument I used to make back in the day when I was, like, super anti-copyright and I actually felt like it was this evil empire trying to, like, fucking impose their will on me. That's legitimately how I felt. The argument I would make is, like, okay, I didn't ask to be born. I just showed up. Mm -hmm. and I didn't ask for American television to be like fucking beamed to me everywhere in the world. Like this, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I, it just kind of happened to me. You, you put this thing, this image in front of my eyeballs and it like, it's now like <laughs> in my subconscious and now you're telling me no, and you can only engage with it 
in this way. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so that was the argument I used to make back in the day. That like, you know, yeah, you own it, but go fuck yourself. <laughs> now I've grown up. <laughs> now I've grown up. Uh look, I feel like there is no right and wrong. There is no good and bad, especially with these kind of things, right? I think we as a as a society uh have to make decisions on what to do mm-hmm. and how these things should be navigated. I think where we get into trouble is when one entity or one person or one party or one uh, interest group has way too much power, right? So if Disney can lobby the US government, can force senators to extend copyright law for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, then Right, that's an extreme case. Right, and the other extreme is like the Tetris example. Mm-hmm. You made Tetris, but you don't own it. Yeah, and that doesn't feel right either. That doesn't feel right either. That feels yeah. They both feel like robbery. Yeah, and it's hard because you can be like, well, okay, so then you get forty years plus ten years of this. Like, well, now you're just arbitrarily putting arbitrarily putting like math and time frames on it. Yeah, like, it feels yeah. like you're punting something down the road. Yeah, and the other thing that's like weird about um, things falling into the public domain is different countries have different public domain laws, mm-hmm. right? So like, um, <laughs> yeah, correct, right. me, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, James Bond has fallen into the public domain in Canada. I think this, the literary version has, yeah. 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 And, then, um, and then there's a nuance with um, the trademark. Yeah. There's a nuance with the trademark. And I, uh, if I'd known we were talking about this, I'd have like read up. I, I kind of <laughs> shed myself of this conversation psychologically because uh-huh. I'm like, I, I don't want to become this like IP because <laughs> it'll just come and bite me in the ass in the future, right? Because someone like, because I'll, I'll like make something and then someone will do some weird rip off of it and I'll be really mad and someone will be like, you're a hypocrite. So I just like, I'm like, okay, I can see the writing on the wall. That's gonna fucking happen to me so one day. Just gonna I, let it happen, man. Just, gonna, just, just all right, no. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's a thing, you know, with like, um, so Zorro, hmm. like is Zorro in the public domain, like, or Sherlock Holmes, but you know, the, the, uh, the family's estate can always come back and, and contest it and create issues. So, yeah, you know, it, again, there's a fucking nuance here and you're asking me my opinion and my opinion is I don't have an opinion, um, but I feel like we should have a collective understanding of what the rules are Mm -hmm. and we don't and that's the problem we don't yeah part of that issue is having artists and company kind of treated there's separate things but also they're the same things at the same time where it's like you have an artist create a concept but then the company can own the concept so now the artist no longer owns it the company owns it but the person who created it is still that's an interesting point that's a fucking thank you for bringing that up dude because that's the other nuance here, right? Because so many laws in America seem to just favor the corporate entities. Right. They're designed to protect corporate interests. But in, uh, in Europe, like in Japan, for instance, the, the author of the thing has way more control mm-hmm. than they do here, right? So when you look at um, like, the guys that uh, uh, Schuster and 
the guys the the guys that created Superman. Uh huh. Like they nearly died. You know, they're working as janitors. Mm-hmm. Like when the Superman movie blew up, they were working as janitors. Hmm. Like that's not fair either. Right. That's not at that point. Put Superman into the fucking public domain, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that 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 just feels gross. Yeah. That feels that feels gross. I'm like, how am I supposed to consume this thing knowing that? And look, you can make the argument that Superman had all these different iterations and, and what, but still there's just like kind of an unfairness there, you know, yeah. um, versus, yeah, the creators of the things, at least in, I, mean, I can use Japan as an example. They're just treated with so much reverence. That's cool. I think that's cool. Hmm. All right. Does that, yeah. does, does that, do you feel complete there? We can talk about this more. I mean. I mean, you're right. The thing I mean, is, like, I could go really in on this, but I do have another. I do have another topic I want to talk yes. about. Yes, two actually. <laughs> I would love to talk about Laser Hawk a little bit more. For sure. But really, it just leads me to my greater love, which is talking about video game movies and video game TV shows. Sure. Because that's you know that's effectively what it is. Um. So, what's the best in your opinion? What's not the best? What ha- what? Video game based show or movie stands out to you. What are, what are like your top three personally? Video game best based shows or movies. Okay, so I'd say Snowpiercer. That's not based on a game. No, but the visual language was very much based. On True, a game. but I'm talking about actually based on game properties. Got it. I would say Captain Laserhawk. <laughs> okay, great. Captain Laserhawk, number one. <laughs> Castlevania, number two. <laughs> My upcoming Devil May Cry series, actually, number three or number one. Yes. Really, number one. Yeah, number Devil one now. Is number one. Yep. Um, it's actually a tie for number one with Laserhawk and Devil May Cry. Okay. Yeah. Um, all kidding aside, um, I don't really, I don't have a, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, like a like a winner yeah you know i feel like it's all great i i generally and i'm not like trying to so it's not the original out. mortal Kombat film pardon it's not the original mortal Kombat film no i love the original <laughs> mortal Kombat film i love the original I love, mortal no that's like that's my number one honestly but but that's gonna change you know at some point that'll change right you'll you know you'll have like did you love the film or did you love the feeling of playing mortal Kombat and then all of a sudden seeing these characters in a in live action right i mean yeah and, it's, it's and that. But that, that that's what that's what that's but you're a parent now you're a parent now one day you're going to share you know you're you're going to be playing uh i don't know uh, metroid with your with your child and then what what i'm i don't know what i'm saying i mean yeah definitely you need the experience like nobody's going to have the same relationship with the mortal Kombat movie now that I had with it when I was like 10 years old, right? Because like you need to be having played Mortal Kombat in your SNES secretly without your parents seeing it and then going to see the movie right. like for that or, movie or to Duke be Nukem, what it is. Or Duke Nukem. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Like you you sneak into the basement and you play Duke Nukem mm-hmm. and everyone in school is like, oh my God, Duke Nukem's crazy, dude. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like that was a experience that you only got in a specific period of time. Like in a, yeah. it, like that was like our generation. Yeah. And maybe even a little little bit older. Um, and I, I mean, that's definitely like, yeah. So, you know, for I think a, a good video game movie or TV series, like it needs to be paired with that 
those those universal feelings that people have had playing that game and if it's you know if it's years and years removed like you know if you tried to drop a duke nukem movie now like who cares right you're not working on one are you <laughs> I, I didn't hear your feelings did I? <laughs> I i'm not working on a duke nukem movie. um i but you know it's like right. the, that relationship to the game is important. I, well, it depends. It depends on how you're writing the movie, right? If you're, if you're trying to like have it pull from like gameplay experience versus like just characters, like those are different things. But I don't. Know, I, I bring this up because I wanted to ask, like, what you know, you've you worked with so many franchises now at this point. What franchise, if it were up to you, would Dude, you want to okay, tackle? Uh, here's an actual answer to this question: Your Mario Kart videos. Yeah, I loved your Mario Kart videos. Do you like to see a Mario Kart movie? No, but I loved your Mario Kart videos. Oh, as a as a top list. Yeah. Oh, well, thank like you. like literally most of my top stuff. If we were to actually pick top stuff, would be your stuff. Oh well, thanks. Because <laughs> it's like flattering. because you know it's it, it it it's the you guys were able to alchemize the silliness of game of games with um, the seriousness of games, <laughs> like. I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not going to try to distill why it's fucking cool. But it's just fucking cool, right? Like, you guys were doing it. You were having fun. Mm -hmm. You weren't trying to make it anything other than how you saw it. And that's cool. It's awesome. I fucking huh. love your stuff. Thanks. I fucking love your stuff. I'm, like, genuinely a fan of the... of the, I don't want to call it content, but I'm a general, <laughs> genuinely a fan of the content you guys have made around games. Oh. Well, you know, your, your PUBG short. Oh, I love my PUBG, PUBG short. PUBG short's fucking sick. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're. Um, uh, there's and there's one that I was gonna just cite, and I'm blanking on the fucking we've got, name. We've got but it's 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 where like almost like Nerf guns are. Nerf Team Fortress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved your portal, your portal stuff. In fact, you licensed me, or you gave me license. You fucking just gave me some <laughs> of the footage from your stuff to use in Guardians of Justice because that was like. <laughs> yeah i need some like yeah so yeah <laughs> okay well so if you were working if you could work on anything right now like what's what's like a dream video game or like what's a video well, game well, story well, if, what's my dream that i would do right yeah now? i would uh help rebuild hollywood what? that's actually my dream <laughs> okay well before we it, go into that like from a video game point of view like what game like is something that you've always wanted to adapt duke nukem just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I, I, I don't know because I'm just so. Here's here's the truthful answer, and I hope this does not come off as douchey. So it's probably going to come off as douchey. <laughs> it it feels like everything is on the like legitimately on the table for me, which yeah. is fucking insane. You know what I'm saying though? Mm -hmm. Like everything is on the table for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've done it multiple times now, and so it's like, yeah, yeah, but and but, like the biggest stuff is on the table for me. Does that does that ruin the magic a little bit? That does that ruin does the that, magic? Yeah, and the fact no. that it's, like it's real. No, I'm like, like oh. hyper grateful, dude. I'm like, oh. wow, this is awesome. This is crazy. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. That's good. And like, you know, it, and 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 stuff was on the table after Castlevania, right? Mm -hmm. Then I felt like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, wait, I, all of the what the like? How do I even pick? 
like at that point, how do you pick? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, it's like I'm trying to think of an analogy and I'm just going to think of a stupid one. So I'm not going to. Um, but but yeah, it's like at that point, how do you pick? Right. So then I go, OK, well, the next one I want to do was um, Captain Laserhawk. So why did you pick Captain Laserhawk as the next one? Because I didn't want to adapt one thing. Mm. And I wanted to create a new universe. Gotcha. And I wanted to do like a, an Orwell, Aldous Huxley, um, William Gibson style dystopian story. So is that something where it's like... And I wanted to effectively remix uh, a bunch of different characters right because with castlevania you're like okay we're, we're like castlevania was done like castlevania was the game mm-hmm. at the end of the day right i was like okay now's an opportunity to go the opposite direction not too dissimilar from what we did with you know dirty laundry punisher dirty laundry the the fan film where it was like punisher it's thomas jane playing the punisher again it's straight this is the punisher mm-hmm. right and then we pivot on the other the other side of that to doing Okay, what's the opposite? Let's do something found footage, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, like a documentary about um, about this guy, Eddie B, who ends up becoming Venom, right? So, um, yeah, and this was just kind of creatively what I felt called to do at the end mm-hmm. of the day. None of this was like a um, an intellectually driven choice. It's just, I was super excited about um, this and then Ubisoft was like absolutely and I'm like wait what so did you like did you know somebody at Ubisoft or you just like reach out and like hey here's an idea I was already working with them okay I was already working with them uh, and that, that's you know that's doc it was documented that was they we'd announced some stuff and then uh, and then I handed them this what was it that made it like how did you get the absolutely like I'm sure you've answered this question a million times in sure. interviews like how did Ubisoft let you do so many kooky things with the characters but like how did Ubisoft let you do so many kooky things with the characters? I literally just wrote a Bible. <laughs> yeah. And the Bible wasn't just the story. It was like the ethos of the story. And mm-hmm. it was like. The, so it was setting clear expectations right up front. It was setting clear expectations, but it was also like a deconstruction of why I was doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in a way you can look at Captain Laserhawk as this. Um, alternate timeline i mean it's an not like you know it's a fucking alternate timeline right it's yeah. set in a world where automation happened in the 1950s and then america got sold out to a tech company so it is an alternate timeline it is alternate history but another way of looking at it is is this is what would have happened had the templars won mm-hmm. right because yeah. assassin's creed is effectively normally set in our world mm-hmm. right it's like normally set in our world it's like oh okay the abraham lincoln and then this happened Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, so there's this group fighting this other group, and this has been going on forever. What happens if the Templars win? What does that look like? Hmm. Um, that's another way of looking at it. But I wanted just layers, you know, it wasn't just one thing. So it becomes like a hard thing to describe when you're like, okay, yeah, and then you know, Rayman's gonna have this this uh you know he's gonna end up with with tommy guns and 
Uh, he's actually the mouthpiece for the fascist dystopian uh, 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 agenda, yeah. and you've got this board of directors. Two episodes in, I'm like, wait, is Raymond really like the propagandist for, <laughs> for yeah. the CEOs? Like, that's that was all in the pitch. It was just all in the pitch, and it was outlined. And but but there was like a logic behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think one of the things I've grown into, and maybe I always did this. I I, I would love your opinion on this because you you've known me um, forever there's a there's like a shock value to everything i do mm-hmm. it's kind of like shocking it's like whoa wait what batman's what yeah superman did what like or the power rangers are what like they're 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 child soldiers what but but it's not just for shock value there's also like a like a a thought process behind it right mm-hmm. so there's 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 some deeper theme or some deeper concept concept or construct that i'm trying to explore or -hmm. understand um and um yeah captain laserhawk gave me the opportunity to do that so so it for me it wasn't just hey i get all this ubisoft intellectual property It, mm -hmm. it wasn't just that but it was also this this universe this story this construct this exploration of um like chaos versus order pardon and meta narrative too and then and then the ip adds the meta narrative mm-hmm. yeah right makes sense yeah the ip adds the meta narrative because hmm. it, it loses the impact if the chief propaganda officer is some original character right not just some but an original character right mm-hmm. so the other comp i threw out a lot was who framed roger rabbit you know, that was an original universe, but you see Mickey Mouse there, you see Bugs Bunny there. They're like these 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 beloved characters uh are populating this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like that because I think it also, you know, it it pulls up this concept of like your relationship with fictional beings and like who's to say you can't just have the, any story be a story with these fictional characters, right? Because like we all try to pretend that like, well, if you kill Batman, he's dead. It's like, well, not really, <laughs> you know. So or what is Batman? I mean, he's like um I mean the character's been reinvented every every right. decade or so. Which goes back to our question of should Batman be owned by a company anymore too? If he's just a representation of evil man, you know? Or not evil man, but like dark justice man. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah. It so when you you know you approach Ubisoft, I'm assuming you sit down with some higher ups in a meeting and you're like, here's the idea, here's the concept, and you're just upfront with it right off the bat. And it was all in the pitch bible, dude. The yeah. whole thing was in the pitch bible. And they're just like, all right, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. You know, Ubisoft's owned and controlled by uh, six brothers. Six brothers, really? Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's 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 an interesting company, and I really um, can't stress how much I loved working with the folks at Ubisoft. I mean, we worked with them a bunch. Of stuff I know. In the yeah. Past. yeah, we did uh, the Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Game. We did a we did a, like a forty minute long um, division like narrative yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, we did a whole bunch. Yeah, like they were letting us do that's they, they were letting us do effectively official fan films and funding them long before anybody right. else was. So Ubisoft is like ahead of the curve with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Okay, so. Right before I asked you <laughs> about this, this video game stuff, you said your real dream is rebuilding Hollywood. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, um, I was in an industry mm-hmm. that operated by some rules. 
And not everyone agreed with those rules, but those were the rules. Mm-hmm. And those had been the rules since long before I was fucking born or you were born. And then all of a sudden tech came in. It's the, it's the Apple thing where we we're talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? There's only Apple. There are no stars. <laughs> right. you don't, you're not going to know who made this device. It's a collective. It's a collective. It's Apple. You're all replaceable. You're all cogs in a machine. And that ethos among many other ethoses that 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 work for other businesses do not work for entertainment Mm -hmm. penetrated my industry case in point by getting rid of stars the only stars left are stars from the 90s right right like (laughs) nick cage is a bigger deal today (laughs) than he was in 1997 right right Will Smith can do and, and just have chaos happening in his personal life. Shit that would have made him like a director radio name in 1997. And he's still Will fucking Smith because there is no one else to right. re- replace him, right? Because now all of a sudden the guys in the 90s are, are like the, the last only, ones standing. Because they're the only ones that are hit, you know, they're broadcast everybody on like, you know, major networks when there was no other channels. And so it's the only thing that we the machine from back in the day got behind them. So there was there was lots of money spent making sure that you know who Brad Pitt is, you know who Tom Cruise is, you know who Bruce Willis is, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so so it's like the apparatus. But can you even make stars anymore? Yeah, for sure. Even with such a fractured audience base and you know distribution, there's always been fractured audiences. There's always been things to distract you. But when I entered the business and you know, I was in the fucking, so like 2008, 2009 was when I started and I really, things really picked up four years later, but mm-hmm. ho- Hollywood was culturally dominant. Mm-hmm. The movie studios um, were culturally dominant. And that wasn't by luck. That didn't just happen. That was by design. Mm-hmm. And things have happened over the last, um, you know, decade, decade plus that have um, hurt that. And we can get into what those things are. You know, it's the, we've been rocked by scandals. So, so the, the like the perception of the, 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 the illusion of glamour is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example of it. Uh, fuck, I mean, I can just like rattle off thirty examples of things that have that have hurt. Um, have hurt us. I'm saying us because I'm like now as it's slipping away, I'm all of a sudden like whoa, 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 whoa. Because I've had a foot in the YouTube thing and in this online thing and the Hollywood thing, but now mm-hmm. I'm like no, like that's where I got my start. Like that's. Like, I want that back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of it's like selfishness, right? Because I like, used to get treated like really well. <laughs> went out, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like treated really well. Uh, and now we're all content creators. It is weird seeing uh, movie oh, posters effectively just another thumbnail on the row of thumbnails. Yeah. Which is it, scary. Because like. It's like you're an icon within an app. Yeah. It's like, how do you stand out now? Can you stand out now? You can stand out now. You can, but it's again, investing in stars Mm -hmm. because here's how I look at it. 
the business people fucked up. The business people lost. They just fucked up and they lost. And, you know, you can blame McKinsey, you can blame the banks, you can blame Wall Street, you can blame COVID and the street, people getting drunk on the streaming wars, overspending, all you, you can, you can blame, 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 blame. And there's a lot of blame to go around. But at the end of the day, the business people were driving the ship. They had a vision for what Hollywood was going to be, which was content, 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 content all day long. We're going to drown you in content. And like, that's just not how people behave, mm-hmm. right? This isn't fucking Wally, dude. This is not Wally. Like your vision for global dominance was Wally. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you do it through stars, right? Like, um, I'm trying to give you a concrete example to illustrate what I'm saying. And but yeah, I mean, Hollywood was built off the back of stardom. Like, yeah, you know, there was there was But yeah, Hollywood was built off the back of stars. Yeah. And definitely. look, maybe the stars aren't famous faces anymore. Mm-hmm. So, right? but like James Cameron's a star. Yeah. Right. Like there's like, what the Chris fuck? Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan's a star. Guillermo yeah. del Toro's a star. Right. So, so there's, they're not content creators. <laughs> so or maybe they are. I don't know. There's brand maybe I'm strength. I'm old fashioned. What? There's brand strength in the artist, so to speak. You know, and you know you're going I to see. I feel like Quentin that's Tarantino. a. You can distill it down into business terms by saying there's, you know, they have brand equity with the audience. Mm-hmm. Fine, they do. <laughs> but there's also an innate like talent there, right? Right. So like, there's so an innate talent there. With with the with the you know when you say you know the business people lost are you effectively saying that like they're overproduced? There's too much content. I'm saying the business people fucked up. They had a vision for where to guide the ship mm-hmm. and they 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 lost in the it, it, um when i say they lost i mean they had a vision for where to guide the ship and they were guiding the ship in that direction mm-hmm. that's just off a cliff that direction is off a fucking cliff mm-hmm. and the cliff has been all the things we've been talking about on this podcast right people not really watching people not caring hollywood no longer being this like dominant cultural cultural fucking force um uh in the culture uh art becoming content Mm -hmm. so much content that it devalues the content and then devalues the artist um you know i'm gonna draw a parallel to video games here because a lot of video games i feel like are kind of doing the same thing where it's they get you to keep playing a video game not mm -hmm. because it's fun and you like it but because they're basically employing psychological tricks you know a little trickle of updates here some things to do here a little grind here you get your reward etc and you know i I, i'm i've been playing call of duty a bunch this year and on one hand the game's super fun but on the other hand it's like i'm i'm playing call of duty still like i was playing that game in college why why is it still Call of Duty? Why is there not a new video game out? And it's like, well, it's because it's the same game with all these little it's the bits business and bobs people. added to it. To it's the business keep you people in. Yeah. Do, doing that. Yeah. So you're right? not you're not inventing new games. You're not coming out. You're just reskinning the same game and adding your little because you know, because going hey we're gonna find the next ten James Camerons and we're gonna develop them. We're gonna cultivate them. That's very and hard. That that's not. <laughs> I don't think that's hard. I'd actually really? Disagree. You don't, don't think, think that's hard? hard? I don't think that's hard. I, f- I think I think I think when someone has talent, it's kind of obvious. And yeah. how to and to, to to develop the talent? I know how. I I know I I can do that. I can do that. I know how to do that. 
can give someone a blueprint and do that. And I would argue you know how to do that because you actually do do that here at Corridor. I think to me, the hard part is creating the environment around with which you can do that and justify it and make it happen. Okay. But if you are running the business apparatus that is designed to find them and cultivate them, you will do that. The, the, like the, uh, the, the Hollywood studios back in, in the day, that's literally what they did, mm -hmm. right? They had a bunch of talent. They identified the stars. And then they said, okay, we are going to elevate you to a fucking level where the general public is going to be salivating over you, but don't let it get to your head. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they fucking did, right? Um, but the problem is that is hard to model out. So instead, they take the approach of franchisability. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the MCU thing. They take the MCU approach. Well, no, no, no. we don't need stars. We have brands. Brands going to be the star, right? Mm -hmm. Intellectual um, property. People are going to show up. It's it's the it's honestly it's the Heim Saban Power Rangers thing, right? Mm -hmm. No one cares about you. They care about the Power Ranger helmet, right? And we're going to keep recycling the helmet with different faces, mm -hmm. but people will care about Power Rangers, and they'll care about the you know they'll they'll care they'll care about the logo, not the people who play the characters. And that is a business philosophy. It is a, and I, and look, that works for some people. It works for some consumers. It works on some consumers. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, Call of Duty, right? They're releasing a Call of Duty every year or mm -hmm. two every year or every fucking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, effectively, it's just one machine that's, it's just, you know, effectively a live service game, a machine that's constantly updated with little with stuff. In right. It. Um, but what we're seeing now is that doesn't work. Because the audience wisens up to it in real time. Yeah. Or at least you can't, at least in the video game space, it's, you can't start a new one, so to speak. It's like, well, let me just spin up my new first-person shooter and implement all this stuff. And it's like, well, no, it's not Call of Duty anymore. Yeah. And, but So, yeah, I mean, games and movies have gone through the same thing. So if you look at uh, movies, they used to program for America. Mm -hmm. Right, you'd have like a you'd have a screwball comedy, then you'd have a gangster movie, then you'd have a family movie, you'd have a musical. You had all these types of movies, all these genres, because the people that ran the movie studios went, "We want to program for everyone." Mm -hmm. You know, we'll have you'll have a few options every weekend, and we'll program for everybody. Well, now people don't go to the movie every weekend. Fine, but also most of your options are two hundred million dollar IP driven. You know, it's Wally. -E. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally Wally, dude. Honestly, I feel like the business people fucking <laughs> sat down and watched Wally and went, "Huh, we should bring this." You know, this is this is great, <laughs> but it's it's Wally. So, you know, it's like, hey, we're gonna do Indiana Jones twelve, and we're gonna do Star Wars every year. Just the like Call of Duty, yeah, right. We're exactly, and it's it's that. But you know, where does that come from? Because Dude, up until recently, artists, movie people, the ex fucking executives, they hated sequels. No one wanted to do sequels. Hmm. I mean, you remember that, right? Yeah. Sequels were awful because no one wanted to do them. Yeah. It like literally doing a sequel was a kiss of death. In you know, back in the day. I'm saying back in the day, right? We didn't do sequels. Hollywood yeah, I mean, didn't do like sequels. The, you can expect to make half the revenue and half the Yeah, you know. the audience didn't want to see it. They're like, I've seen this already. And and look, and a lot of times those sequels were bad, right? You had some examples that were, um, I mean, yeah, Terminator Two and Empire Strikes Back, and you know, occasionally a sequel would pop. But yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. I mean, look, but then Terminator 2, you could argue, is really just a, I mean, yeah, sure. There's there's, there's the canon of in there, canon. But Terminator 2 was just a remake of Terminator 1. Right. And Terminator and, 3 would be the true sequel. Right. And Terminator 1 was a low-budget horror horror indie movie. And Terminator 2 was, you know, now Cameron has some clout. So he's like, hey, I want to remake my old movie, but just call it Terminator 2. Yeah. With, you know... Uh, Knock that more more resource. Yeah. <laughs> he knocked that fucking thing out of the park, right? Because he's James Cameron. Yeah. But they also developed James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Right? They like went, this guy has an interesting voice. Well, let's develop him. Mm-hmm. Let's pair him up with producers and actors and artists and Yeah. 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 Um, and and there was systems in place to guide people's careers. Mm-hmm. Now I've studied this stuff. Cause I'm a, I, again, I'm not from this country. So going to Hollywood was like this impossible thing. I'm like, Whoa, like what is Hollywood? This is crazy. Right. <laughs> and you hear like people rapping about Hollywood and their songs about Hollywood. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Right. So, so I studied the history of Hollywood mm-hmm. and the different iterations of it and the different incarnations. And I was, I was saying that as a preamble to a point I'm about to make, but I forgot why I was saying that. <laughs> but I studied Hollywood and, oh, it's just the point. Um, the lack of career development or the career guidance mm-hmm. institutionally is shocking. So you don't have another generation coming in to like pick it up. I mean, dude, I think you're a talented filmmaker, right? And again, we're we're the same age. Mm-hmm. And I don't view myself as like on a pedestal over you. So, so I, it's not that. I, obviously, we're friends too. But when we first met and you were like, hey, I want to do movies, right? Mm-hmm. I sat down with you and I was like, hey, this is the ways you can do it. This is how you can develop your career if this is the thing you want to go. I did that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Did anyone else do that for you? Not really. Okay. But you had, a, <laughs> you had agents courting you. You had managers courting you. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck were they? Yeah. Right? Why is it that um, you're a talented dude? Why is it that the only person that's giving you advice on how to navigate the apparatus that governs what gets made and how to, how to have a role within it, how, why is it that the only person giving you advice is someone your own age. That's a flaw in the system. That's a flaw in the system, right? Yeah. Where's the elder going, you, 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 you know? And I can look back at that era now and go clearly, like, and like a lot of the names are like signed on that wall, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there were, there were talented filmmakers that emerged from YouTube. Yeah, 100%. Who stayed on YouTube because the machine didn't show up and when the machine showed up it wasn't to cultivate you it was like to to to, to have you fucking shoot an infomercial for Dwayne Johnson <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean like uh, back in the journey like you know like you said you know I wanted to make a film do an action film do a sci-fi film any of that kind of thing you know everybody has their strengths and their limitations right and like I'm not a script writer I can, I can write but it's like a slow and painful process and I can take a script and think about how I'd shoot it, but just let me sit down and bang out a script on the typewriter. Like that's hard for me to do. And I feel like 
if there's more of that apparatus you're talking about, it would be more of a thing to bring these people together and bring their talents together. But there never... are so many screenwriters who are talented, who have like read their material and given them like feedback. And it's just my personal feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll like thank me. They'll be like, you're the first person to give me constructive criticism. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You have like an agent <laughs> and a manager and a fucking like, how is no one reading your material, right? So, and again, it sounds like a, it feels like I'm complaining. And again, these things haven't affected me. They've actually helped me, mm -hmm. right? The fact that that most of the people in our industry have been asleep at the wheel has actually helped me because <laughs> I know how to navigate on my own, right? So I, mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get the rights there. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to get the... By the way, I've navigated all of this without an agent or a manager hmm. or a lawyer in some instances. Hmm. Like I just go in, I just do the deal myself. Right? Yeah. They just talk, talk to the people. They just talk to people. Because I'm like, dude, once I add layers, again, I have an agent now. It's great. He's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I've been working with, with um, some managers and stuff. And I'm, I'm going to build out a team because I'm, but now I'm like, clearly in a place where uh i can lead mm -hmm. my team so when i bring you on to my team i'm like not like i'm telling you what to do because it's not it's not that but like i have a clear vision as to where i want to be um in five years and how i want to get there mm -hmm. and how i want to get there and i don't mean like i want to do this project and that project i mean like with the kind of um, the ethos, the um, and how I want to show up, mm -hmm. right? Like, like if like I don't want to work with shady people, that that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, so I'm not going to um, sacrifice my integrity. Yeah. That that kind of thing, which should be a given, but I want to just voice that out loud because <laughs> I said how I want to get there. I meant like, oh, I want to do this brand and then that. No, but. Um, but again, you know, all of this complaining I'm doing on the behalf of all of my peers, Ubisoft actually did this for me. Mm -hmm. How so? Uh, there's a dude, a gentleman named Hugo Raval in Ubisoft motion picture uh, film and television, right? He randomly called me up. He got my number. He called me up. And he said, hey, we love your stuff. Would you like to work with us? And I'm like, uh, yeah. So he offered me a property. He said, okay. So, you know, we have a deal here to do something with this property. Do you want to work with us? I'm like, yeah, sure. Great. That sounds great. They brought me into the fold, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when I first started working with them, it wasn't clear in what context I would be working with them, right? Because mm -hmm. is it like, am I a consultant? Am I a, a producer? Am I someone to help them package their uh, IP to shop it to networks, right? Like, because mm -hmm. I could have, it could have gone all these different ways, right? And the thing is, they never boxed me in. They never boxed me in, right? Because I could have very easily been the guy that um, was like, okay, so this is how we get this IP <laughs> made and we do that. And I, you know, I worked with this writer on this movie. Um, we'd bring him in and, and like basically put packages together and taking them out. And that is a road and nothing against that road, but that is a road I could have taken. Right. But then, but then I'm like, no, I actually feel my highest fucking excitement is to do Captain Laserhawk. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. But that's to me, career development. It's, it's giving people options. It's working with them. So, so yeah, Hugo brought me into the family. Um, and, uh, there's a lovely executive at Ubisoft named Helene. Helene has been with Ubisoft for a while and, um, just, just super lovely, just super supportive. And, um, yeah, I had the same conversation with Helene, right? It's like, what do you want to do? Um, here are some options. And, um, it, it evolved into me creating this new brand for them. Hmm. It literally evolved organically, but, you know, and then as I was even doing it and pitching it, like, like, and, and as I was pitching it to the different networks, obviously Netflix ended up winning the, the bidding for it. But, you know, we, uh, um, Gerard, who's one of the brothers, he came with, uh, with I'm butchering the fucking story. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Gerard came with me and Helene and Hugo to every pitch meeting and Gerard early on, again, Gerard is the, the head of Ubisoft film and tv and he's one of the brothers that that uh that owns ubisoft or controls it rather um so he early on was like he read the bible and he said i love this we want you to make this we're going to make this with you and we're going to clear the path for you to make this hmm. right so sign off right from the top yeah he came to every pitch meeting because again like you're you're there talking to fucking insert blank guy that owns a network who's like i'm basically telling them like i'm gonna have mickey mouse doing drugs <laughs> and they're like there's no fucking way dude and then they're like and he's like uh and gerard was like no 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 we're this is this is our characters but this is bootleg universe he literally kept saying that this is our characters but this is bootleg universe hmm. um that's one example of a plethora of examples of how I was just supported through this process. And I don't mean like support as like, Oh, everything I said was, was like, they said yes to it's not, that's not support. Support is also pushback. Mm -hmm. Support is also, um, giving you alternate ideas. Support is also Hugo calling me up and saying, Hey dude, um, you have to meet these folks at Bobby pills ended up being our animation studio they are fucking great and they are your people hmm. and i had like one phone call with them i'm like yeah these, these people are awesome but you know they 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 found the perfect collaborators for me mm -hmm. also you know for them but for me right because it's it would be so easy to be like okay um here's this animation studio we've worked with before They've done the Rabbids cartoons. You have to use them, mm -hmm. right? Or, hey, we have this company that we've invested in. You got to use them. But no, they like literally went, how do we support this vision? Mm. That's, I mean, right? yeah, that, that's, that's that, not a frequent occurrence. That's a, that's a rare thing to have somebody like, like, let's do this and let's make it good. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's the energy that that is going to fucking bring Hollywood back from the fucking ashes. Right. That energy. Right. Yeah. It's going to take executives to fucking show up. Mm -hmm. Show up and do your fucking job. It's going to take agents to show up and be like, look, you don't need to represent fucking 2000 people on your fucking roster. Mm -hmm. Right. 
find the 20 you believe in and show up. Yeah, and work for them. And work for them and fucking show up. Yeah. It's going to take lawyers to not take six months to close a deal that should take an hour. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The apparatus that is Hollywood is so bloated and broken from this shit that, and again, none of this affects me. This all benefits me, right? Because I'll go in and do, my, I'll close my own deal. Yeah. I'm like, you've done it before, so you know what to do. I, I know what to do. I have all the templates. I know I've like studied this shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's it, it's gonna take you know. Sorry. So our business is bloated, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be mass layoffs. There, there are, I mean, there already are mass layoffs. Yeah. They're going to be more. And uh, it's kind of like Survivor. Or like a weird reality show or whatever. But like the people that are left standing. It's then, and I hope I'm one of them, by the way. I'm not assuming. <laughs> I don't want to assume. Like I may be, I may be on the fucking life raft, right? Like working, working for Nico, getting him coffee. Um, but you know, the, 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 the people that are left, it's then on them to fucking acknowledge that the system is broken, that the machine has been tarnished and tainted, tainted and feathered, tarred and fucking feathered in front of the whole world and go, dude, how do we get it back to being a culturally dominant fucking machine? Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me ask you a, a, perhaps a question that we can kind of use as, as a theme for our way out of this podcast. So we're talking about Hollywood and fixing Hollywood, but like, you know, we talked about a lot when we first met about trying to just make it in the first place. Somebody who's wanting to make movies, narratives, Mm -hmm. TV shows, doesn't really matter. But somebody who's not trying to do like, Hey, I'm going to just vlog into the camera. Somebody who's like, Hey, I want to write a script and I want to tell a story with my cinematography. How do they get started these days? Honestly, you are the better resource for that well yeah but i'm on the youtube side but you're you're in the actual like industry how do you i would argue because of everything that i'm saying that i've been ranting and raving about like a fucking lunatic (laughs) about how people need to show up and do their fucking jobs Mm -hmm. in the way that ubisoft did yeah right Mm -hmm. um because again there's like it's it's funny because people send me like memes online where um, there was this like there's like really this really funny like chain where someone was like how the fuck did this show get greenlit and then the response was Adi it's Adi Shankar he he does this and he's now too powerful to be stopped like they act like I'm this dark lord that's running around and like it was so funny I want to someone said this to me and I'm like I'm gonna frame this this is hilarious I'm like I'm like fucking Sauron like you know um but he's, this is what he does and he's now too powerful to stop, right? <laughs> but that's not true. Like, it took everybody at um, Ubisoft to show up. It took everyone at Bobby Pills to show up and it took all of our executives at Netflix to show up. Mm-hmm. And um, this is why I'm actually in animation, dude. It's, it's not because... It, I love animation. Don't get me wrong. I love animation. But my executives that I work with at Netflix, I love them. I literally love them. Mm-hmm. If Netflix were to cut them tomorrow, I would hire them. Mm-hmm. I would literally hire them tomorrow. Yeah. And the only reason I'm not hiring them right now is because I'm like, okay, well, I work with you at Netflix and I like, you know. But so the people matter. 
The people 100%. are everything. I mean, yeah. The logo is obvious. The logo means fuck all. Yeah. So if somebody's starting out, if somebody's trying to get into it, so show um, up, meet people, people matter. No, no. But sorry, the, the thing I'm ranting and raving about is because of how the last seven to, you know, whatever X number of years have gone, you know, you're saying, oh, well, I'm in the YouTube space and you're in the, in the, in the real space. I would argue there's no separation right now. Yeah. There's no separation. You know, uh, a hit is a hit. A hit is a hit. Yeah, it's it's all apps in a row on your screen. A hit is a fucking hit, dude. So if you're um, Mr. Beast making a video that that is effectively like a a CBS game show, I don't want to be, I don't mean to be reductive and I'm not trying to be like, but it's a game show. He's making CBS game shows Mm -hmm. and he's doing it you know, he's, he's a production company that does that. That's fucking great. How is that product any different from the reality shows that are being produced by the, by the real? It's not. It's, it's just, not. Yeah, it's, it's just not. another video on the it's internet. It's another video on the internet. Which right? I've fallen into the habit of calling every single thing a video now. Right. It's like. Because they are. They're all videos on the internet. <laughs> Some are behind, you know, different, like, like, like Halo is a video on the internet. There's, you have a Halo. Paramount Plus has a Halo. <laughs> Everyone has Halo videos on the internet, right? Yeah. Whatever. So <laughs> I don't think there's a differentiation. And actually, I think the lack of differentiation is actually the problem. Yeah. That's the problem, Right. And that's not getting solved overnight. So I don't know what the solution is or how, sorry, I do know what the solution is. I don't know how it'll manifest or if this, you know, that'll come together. Mm-hmm. But for now, what you do and what I do is not different. Just make stuff. We just make stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and I would argue that some of the stuff you make is more impactful. I'm not talking about views. Yeah, you get a lot of views, but I, I think the whole view economy is also kind of fucked up, right? Yeah. Because then you're basically saying, okay, well, porn, pornography actually gets the most views. <laughs> so the biggest influencers are, you know, so yeah. all these metrics are a little wackadoodle do. And also, uh, let's be honest, a lot of the views on the internet are fake. Mm-hmm. A lot of the fucking follower counts on social media are bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's going to be a, I, not I think, there's going to be a reckoning. It's already happened where brands are like investing lots of money because, oh, it's like you get a lot more engagement, a lot more exposure from Instagram or Facebook than you do for buying a TV spot only to find out. But none of these convert. Right. Are these real people or are these fucking bots? Yeah. And the answer is it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. It's like the emotional engagement is like what matters. Like. It's a little off topic but, here. But you, yeah. you, your stuff. Right. It resonates. It resonates. It just fucking resonates, right? Mm-hmm. I, I show people your videos um, to be like, hey, you want to see something cool? This is cool. You know? Um, like, as an example, you know, one of the things that I loved about Hitchcock, I don't know if I loved this about Hitchcock, but it was an observation I made about Hitchcock because he was there when film was evolving so rapidly so he would discover like a trick or a or a or a storytelling kind of thing thing and then he would make a whole movie around it right so Mm -hmm. like rear window rear window is a perfect example of this you do the same thing you do the same thing like your like your top-down shooter video Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's like here's an idea. Oh, okay, what story does it unlock? We're gonna use a we can use a drone. How are we gonna use this drone to tell? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like you and Freddie Wong, I think we're doing. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm not well versed in internet history, like I'm in <laughs> Hollywood history. But uh, you guys were doing FPS videos mm-hmm. before. Before movies it, were doing it, yeah. Before movies were doing it, there was right? that one scene in the Do- original Doom movie. <laughs> that had first person shooter stuff but yes that was very janky compared to how we were doing it by the way the sag strike is now officially over oh really yeah i just got a text it's wow officially over all right so the rebuilding of hollywood begins tomorrow <laughs> they heard this podcast and they're like all right we gotta get this done boys this guy is right we fucked up we are so sorry um huh yeah maybe we shouldn't have bet the farm on <laughs> whatever the fuck we bet the farm on yeah and look i don't want to besmirch the business people but i'm besmirching the fucking business people <laughs> right um my executive at netflix are fucking great my executives at netflix are fucking great <laughs> like um i was telling a I, I, my friend will re- rename remain nameless but he's he's a friend i love him dearly but he says things to me and then i have to be like Bro, if I listened to what you just said, I would not be in a good place. Uh, <laughs> but I was telling him like last year, um, you know, we were working on, I was working on Devil May Cry and I'm like, God, you know, like they just give me the best notes. Hmm. They just give me the best notes. And I keep asking them for more notes. I'm like, can you give me more notes? Because. <laughs> wow, that's a rarity to hear. I want to keep getting notes. I'm like, yeah. keep giving me notes. Like how much time do we have? Because I, I've, you know, I've worked on this script for a long fucking time, like a long, long, long fucking time. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to get better and better and better and better. Me and uh, Alex Larson, who my collaborator on Devil May Cry. And I just wanted more and more notes. And they kept giving me more notes and they kept making the thing better. I was telling my friend that. And he's like, dude, you can't open the door to that, bro. Like <laughs> they'll then they'll take over your show. I'm like, no, they're not taking over the show, dude. They are they are here with me producing the show with me and working every day with me to make this thing awesome. Right. Which is amazing when you can find people like that. So it's like you're supporting each other. Yes. Yes. And it's also on you as the fucking artist or it's me on me as the creator of the show to show up in a way that creates that environment. Mm hmm. Yeah. So right. Because if I bring my, if I bring a bunch of bullshit and I'm like, oh my God, they're trying, it's my vision and they're trying to take it from me. It's like, no. Right. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to create an adversarial relationship. Here I'm like recognizing that they're helping me. Mm-hmm. They're seeing things that I'm not seeing because I'm too deep in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, but again, that's a thing that an agent or a manager needs to tell a young artist. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, there's so many artists and some of them on the wall that I, I'm not going to name names. Maybe I could name names in a cough as a joke, <laughs> um, you know, to really besmirch Mike Diva's name uh, <laughs> out loud, but like have not received any fucking guidance. Mm-hmm. Right. Mike is classic example of a guy received no guidance. I'm so glad he's now on SNL because I'm like, you are in a machine and this is going to make you level up. Yeah. He, yeah, he's leveled up immensely just from his two years being there. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's an example of 
what I'm talking about, right? Because yeah. uh, SNL is SNL because Lauren Michaels. Lauren mm-hmm. Michaels. There's one dude that kind of is the... I'm, I'm not yeah, he's advocating like, for like one dude to be in charge of everything. That's not what I'm saying, but I think you, you were going to illustrate my point better than I Yeah, could. I was just going to say like it's a... Like that's a guy that's building that machine and bringing people in and like, you know, Mike got brought in, you know, but Mike got brought in, but Lauren Michaels is also very old now and there isn't a new Lauren Michaels. No, because then it becomes because the machine hasn't progressed to its next generation. Like yes. you were saying. Yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's great. You that's were it. asking me a question about, um, do I feel like I've made it? Not made it. Like, yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 So, all right. Here we'll we'll wrap up the podcast with this question. All right. So, we talked about making video game movies and video game TV shows. We talked about how you know it's been our vision. It had like you know we, as we were growing up, it wasn't really done right. And then finally, boom, you are you know with Netflix making shows based on these games with the with the people that make the games and. You know, my question was, do you feel like you are finally doing what you want to do? Do you feel like you are finally getting to make these pieces that you had visions for getting into film? I guess my follow-up question is, how is that different from what I've been doing? Like, like, and, and that's actually a real question. Like, is, yeah. is Laserhawk something like fundamentally different than what I've been doing? I would... Here's the thing. So... This you make you make this question complicated because you made gods and secrets, which I feel like is a distillate. Guardians of Justice. Sorry, <laughs> Guardians of Justice. Sorry, old latent memories sitting in my brain. Horrible memories. <laughs> Nico, so, will you please give me some? <laughs> also, also, I'm so fucked. Can you please shoot this opener for me in a shoestring budget? I'll, I'll be right there, Eddie. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so you know you made. Guardians of Justice. And to me, Guardians of Justice was this culmination of like your your bootleg universe concept. You know, I, I want to take these ideas, these things that inspired me and shaped my vision of entertainment and media. I want to be able to make it and like you had to do it bootleg. And then now you don't have to do it bootleg. You're just doing it with the actual owners of the IPs. You know, does that does that feel like does that feel like you're still in the bootleg universe? Is that is that what you want the bootleg universe to become? Have you reached this, reached this goal of being able to finally make the pieces that are, I guess, but you're right. You've already done it. You've already made pieces that touch upon and acknowledge these cultural influences in yourself. But I'm also back. evolving every year as a, as a human being and as a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, like this year has been, in a lot of ways, the worst year of my life. And I'm not going to get into that, but you know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, just other than I, I think uh, we could say I, I'm lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. We'll just leave it at that. I'm lucky to be alive. Um, but actually, through the adversity, though, that's kind of the gift. There's gift through. I've I've grown through this this amazing um, adversity, and mm-hmm. I've showed up. I, I've 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 become a leveled up version of myself through this like crazy adversity that I've. Um, experienced and really had the privilege of experiencing mm-hmm. let's put it that way right because what doesn't kill you makes you fucking stronger um, so 
but you know, there's sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, like so you take your Punisher short, for example. Like there is a difference between the Punisher short and Captain Laserhawk now. You know, Captain Laserhawk feels like such a deeper realization of these this, you know, foray into like what's influenced you and like But it's also where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like I'm getting close. It's not like I wanted to do Captain Laserhawk in 2012 and no one let me. Mm-hmm. The Punisher short. And again, Punisher short did that with Phil Juwanu, who is uh, taught me so much. He was one of my earliest mentors. Phil Juwanu directed that short. Mm-hmm. He was one of my earliest mentors. Uh, Thomas Jane obviously started. But Tom ended up being a mentor to me. Right. Because I'd like because he he called me up one day. He's like, hey, pal, uh, you know. uh Think you should really focus on this YouTube thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's uh, you do that a little bit, and you know, it'll unlock some doors along the way. Hmm. Like wise words from Thomas fucking Jane, uh, and the guy's brilliant. He's really, I'm, he's brilliant. But it wasn't like when we were doing the Punisher short. What I actually wanted to be doing was a, uh, it was a, a short about a. Uh, an Assassin's Creed frog. <laughs> right. But right? if that, the Punisher short could have been a Punisher series, then you could have just done it. No. You have? No. No. That, that, dude, that was literally on the table. Hmm. So um, Eric Barmack, who uh, was an executive at Netflix, uh, left a couple of years ago. Um, but he was an early executive at Netflix. Early, early. Like we're talking, they're, like, they're just getting into making original content. <clears throat> he DM'd me after the uh, Punisher short came out and we had conversations. I had conversation with Eric Barmack. He's like, Hey, what are you doing with this? You know, that, this is a series uh, TV networks were, Hey, like, cause, I mean, again, Thomas Jane, he's a great actor. He's also a star. Mm-hmm. He's a big fucking name. Yeah. And especially in TV, he was coming off of a show called hung on HBO. Mm. So HBO wanted to be in business with Tom. Uh, and, uh, Chad St. John, who ultimately wrote the script for that, was, a, was an in-demand writer. Hmm. So, yeah, we had an opportunity to make that into a series. Hmm. We didn't. Why not? Because then it cheapens it. Because what was cool about it was we would sit around, drink cans or not, bottles of Mexican Coke. <laughs> it's the, the Coke. Yeah. It's Mexican Coke. That's the, what it's the called. sugar in it. Yeah, Mexican yeah. Coke. Yeah. We'd, sit there in my office drink it tom would talk about working out and then we came up with this thing and we made it and we just made it there was no contracts there was no it was all handshake deals people just showed up it was fun it was it was it was how i imagined filmmaking should be and it's probably kind of how it is for you yeah it's how i imagine right. it should be too and that's how i try yeah. to keep it right because it's really and, easy to have it not yeah. i mean it usually isn't that no so it was a lot of fucking fun. And the only time suits showed up, and I suits, I mean like agents and shit, Tom mentioned like well after the fact, like we'd already made it, it was in post, it was done, it was like they, they were ready to drop it. And he mentioned it to his agent <laughs> and an army of agents. It felt, <laughs> it felt like, you know, in Captain Laserhawk episode two, where, the, where you've got the tiger dudes in the suits yeah, yeah and they're like oh you know it felt like that they all went they all like fucking piled in <laughs> they're all in my office at a conference room they're like sitting there and they're watching it and uh they're like where did this come from how did again they didn't understand digital filmmaking this was back in the 
This is uh, 2012. So this was back in the. Yeah. Is it for a TV network? Is it for a movie? Is this independent? They didn't know how to classify it. And they're in there and, and they're like, Tom, where did this come from? And then he just like points at me. He's like, yeah, this kid did it. <laughs> and they're all like, all the suits look at me and I'm like, <laughs> right. And, um, and then they all, they leave and I'm like, Tom, I feel like such a fucking imposter, dude. Like I, I'm like literally I was like literally just in college. Like I was literally <laughs> just in college. And now I have like movies coming out and I've got this. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, pal, you know what? Here's a secret. I feel like an imposter too. <laughs> and then he goes to, and then Phil Joano was in the room and he's like, Phil, you feel like an imposter? And Phil was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, you always. And then they like explained to me that the imposter thing is like part of the creative spirit of like um, staying young. Mm-hmm. it's like staying young right because the suits that walked in that day those agents none of them had imposter syndrome mm-hmm. yeah they also lack self-awareness right um but yeah like uh yeah it was it was sorry i just turned that dark and i besmirched the suit the suits they were very very nice they were like this is great <laughs> look it's what you sign up for when you put a suit on like right. you're just you're gonna and then they left and then they left and they all scurry out and i'm like Whoa, what the <laughs> fuck was that it was like a wave right <laughs> and like one of the dudes like um was like angelina jolie's agent hmm. and he's like and he like looks at me after tom's like oh it was all him and then i'm like then he's like we need to get you in the room with angelina <laughs> and i'm like Jolie? Like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening? Like, uh, okay. Um, yeah, and then, you know, and then yeah, any a bunch of people, Amber Heard, and then I got the, you know, I met Amber and Amber Heard uh sent me a book. She was like, You're really into science fiction. You should uh read this book that I think you should make. Hmm. I'm gonna send you a copy. So then she mails me a copy with like a really lovely note. Um Again, only nice things to say. This is about Amber Heard here. Um, the book was The Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. She literally yeah. sent me The Handmaid's Tale. She's like, I think you should make this. Well, that was, and I was very pressing. Fucking right, dude. I should have listened to Amber Heard. Um, <laughs> but why did I talk about that? Um, so we made the Punisher thing. That is what I wanted to do at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So you didn't necessarily want to make a Punisher series. You wanted to make your own Punisher thing. And that's all it needed to be. Yes. That's what we were talking about. Yes. So, but then the moment it became, hey, let's make this into a series. Mm -hmm. Then it became the suits and the contracts and the lawyers and how are we going to do this and who's going to create the show and who's going to do the thing. And then Addy, you know, what, 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 uh, how do you want to do this? And I'm like, here's what I want to actually do. I love Tom. I'm going to get way more enjoyment in my life by having Phil Joano as my fucking mentor. Mm -hmm. And he's going to teach me all these things that I will have never learned in the film school that I never got to go to. Right. And, um, I want to take this experience and have it be like a cherished memory Hmm. versus it being like molested by the fucking Hollywood (laughs) (laughs) deal making fuckers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, made another one hmm. with, uh, the, the, the Venom mm-hmm. and I'm like, we're just doing another one. Yep. And That's what I met you different. at the, uh, when we were at the Comic-Con Mar- panel. Machinima, man. Yep. Machinima. Machinima. 
fucking machinima. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm just going to do another one. I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do another one. And I, I like, yeah, there's like a part of me that really is a business dude in a way. Cause I have that in me, right? I have that in me. Like I, like I know the moves you've called me before and I've told you what the business moves are. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I do this for friends of mine. They're like, Hey, what, what are my next moves? And I'm like, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. I cannot do this myself mm -hmm. because the part of me that knows the chess moves is in conflict with the part of me that wants to fucking do the opposite of what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, the, the business move would have been to do a Punisher TV not a Punisher, a Dirty Laundry TV series, mm. right? And um, and yeah, like, would it have been a, you know, would Marvel have, who fucking cares? Maybe, I don't know. Like, I know the Marvel people watched it because mm -hmm. I was in a theater with Kevin Feige as he was fucking watching it. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? This yeah. is a true story. And Favreau. Hmm. Like, I'm sitting in a theater with Feige and Favreau, sitting next to Tom here, Perlman's there, <laughs> Phil's there, and I'm like, Feige's there. That, oh, they're playing it. It was a, it was a North Hollywood. It's mm. a whole other story. I don't want to get into that. But, <laughs> but like, no, it didn't need to be anything more than what it was. And in a way, what I'm. Does this make sense or am I a fucking idiot? That you just, you made it for what it was and that was it. Let me, look, I kind of, I asked, this all started with the question of like, if you want to make it to this day and age and you're just starting out, how do you get into it? And part of the reason I ask that is because, you know, we talk about making movies here at Corridor, making shows, things like that. And we have. We've made movies. We've made TV shows. But, like, they've never been, like, a Hollywood film. It's never been a theatrical film, right? And going into next year, I want to do more movies, right? I, we have things that we've written. And it's kind of at this thing where it's like, I just got to shoot it and make it and let it be something that can live on the website or the YouTube channel. And anything beyond that is just like... It, it starts to take it out of that realm of this is what I want to do or this is what it, like what makes movies enjoyable and why I want to do them and turns it too much into that business move, you know? So it's it's interesting hearing about like why you mentioned and like- And the business moves, and let me say, you just unlocked something for me. The business moves have a fucking problem in that the business moves have a very specific way that they move. Mm -hmm. And every culture's business moves are different, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing business with, Japan, which I've done, right? I literally flew to Japan and did business. I don't need to my own horn here. Sorry, <laughs> that's me being douchey. But I've I've <clears throat> I've done business in America, um, across America. By the way, it's different in different states. Hmm. Uh, in Korea, in Japan, in India, I and and the business moves are different. The business etiquette is different. The pace of it is different. Mm -hmm. But the one unifying thing is because the business people have been so dominant, um, they expect the artist, unless the artist has leverage, which I would argue I have leverage, mm -hmm. which is why I'm able to kind of bend, bend the reality to my will a little bit, a little bit. Not like the Dark Lord, like that tweet. Twitter guys. <laughs> just a little, a little bit. bit. Just a little bit. Dark Apprentice. But the business people are trying to go, okay, this is how it has to be done. You have to fight against that. Um, I have to. 
No, I'm just saying when they say if you're trying to do it a certain way and they say it has to be done this way, it ends up being something you have to fight against. You don't have to fight against it. You could just but do the it that problem way. you have <laughs> mm-hmm. is your way works for you now. Right. And your way has been battle tested to work for you. Mm-hmm. That's not everyone's case. If you're a young filmmaker out there, that's not your situation. Listen to the business guy, right? <laughs> your situation is your way has been battle tested. So you got to get the business people to bend to you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing like another fucking infomercial for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll be like, Nico, you have to wait in this room for 25 minutes <laughs> and Dwayne will come in and do that and then leave. I'm kidding. I'm, that was a joke. I don't. It's cool. I, Sam was the one who had to wait in the room. I wasn't there. I okay. didn't get to go. <laughs> Sam's a waiting in the room type anyway, so it's all good. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I've been telling you since we met actually. Well, yeah, I mean that, and I think it's just the reality that I've like tried to accept is that like, if I'm going to do it my way, I have to do it my way. Like you can't do it your way. Then ask some business guy to come. That doesn't mean do it it alone. No, it doesn't mean do it alone, but it does, it does limit the scope, right? If you're not going to go with the apparatus partners you can have, which is both good and bad, right? Because. Because if you're like, hey, it's got to be like this. Mm-hmm. It just means that like we have to very much focus on it being doable because right. there's we're not quite in the, you know, in the full future yet where just any movie can be imagined in your head. Like you still have to shoot it and that's gotten cheaper and easier, but still not at the point where it's just like I can just snap my fingers and but you need support. And also like, you know, there's a there's a point you made on um, remember where it was like a podcast or something, which I thought was brilliant which is movies they spend a lot per minute so you have a big big crew yeah that are just sitting around just sitting around if you have to figure something out right in the event you have to figure something out so there 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 is an insurance policy Mm -hmm. you don't need that for your youtube stuff right right because you're not burning hundreds of thousands a minute yeah it's like if 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 I have a project that needs us to be able to st- sit around on the set and like figure something out, it's like, well, then don't build, <laughs> don't build your production in a way that makes that cost prohibitive. Exactly. You know, build it so you can actually do that and take yeah. your time. Should we wrap it up there? Yeah, let's do it. Should we? I can keep fucking going. I love talking to you. This <laughs> no. could be like a Andrew Tate style of going out the cigar. <laughs> nah, no, we we should wrap it up. We're yeah. we're at the end here, but we are. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. So I will wrap it up by saying it's been really great having you as a friend. Oh, well, that's a great, what a great note to end on. It's been great having you as a friend too. But I think, I mean, since the audience, you know, isn't sitting here right between us to expand it, it's, it's been, it's been cool talking again because we've been on this journey as like two guys making it into the industry from kind of two different angles, but yet, from the same point of view in many ways. Yeah. And I always love getting together and sitting down with you and talking in a podcast. I mean, we'll have conversations like this outside of podcasts too, but when we get to do it in a podcast, like to hear the perspectives, the insights, the, the mental manipulations of like what's going on. It's always, it's always fascinating. And like, and now we're sitting down and you're somebody who's had, you know, multiple series under your belt. You've worked with some amazing people and some amazing teams. And to hear you still talk about like 
I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's a big question mark in some ways and in other ways it isn't. It's just, it's perhaps, I'm trying to say it's, it's perhaps reassuring in its uncertainty-ness to know that everybody has imposter syndrome makes you feel less like an imposter. You know, if you don't have imposter syndrome, you're like high. Yeah. Like you're kind of full of it. Right. Cause, yeah. cause, cause there, there there's is, always something to learn. You're always going it, to be you wrong. You got to learn. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like where preparation meets opportunity. Um, it's like kind of that in between zone between confidence and fear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's embracing the, the discomfort. It's knowing that being confident in what you know, but being open to having it be challenged. Um, you know, I just feel like that's ultimately like, Art is truth, and that is the truth of the human experience. We're mm-hmm. always evolving. So yeah. if you're not sitting in that, you're going to make <laughs> bullshit, right? You're going to make bullshit because then you're fundamentally existing in a framework that you are ideologically tied to mm-hmm. through propaganda or your own own brand of psyoping. Uh, that made no fucking sense. Really. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Look, yeah. If you want to have, if you want to have impact, you need to like, you need to investigate things that matter to people from an emotional life experience, like point of view. And that's always changing. And the way you do that's always changing. So if you don't change, if you're not evolving, then you're just st- stuck doing the same thing over and over from that emotional truth point of view. You're not offering anything new, but Change is scary. Change requires you to do new things, which means you're not going to be an expert, which means that imposter syndrome kicks in again. So, yeah, putting yourself in situations where you're you feel perhaps a little bit inadequately prepared is a sign that you are actually doing something new. Yeah, it's like it's like growing. It's like growing. Yeah. All right. That's it. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening slash tuning in. And uh, Andy, thanks so much for, for joining us. Go check out. Captain Laserhawk. Captain Laserhawk, Blood Dragon Remix. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. Uh, this podcast didn't sell you on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to sell you on it right now. It's um, it's three different things. So one is it's all of your favorite Ubisoft intellectual properties. Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Splinter Cell, Rayman and the Raving Rabbids, The Crew, etc. All remixed and reinterpreted and reimagined. Um, then second part of the sales pitch is then they're put into this dystopian fascist satirical state uh, called Eden, which is a nod and homage and homage and ode uh, a, a, a deconstruction of uh, George Orwell or uh, Neuromancer or Aldous Huxley. Finally, it's a love story. <laughs> Um, there's nothing else quite like it there's nothing else quite like it (laughs) it's very unique yeah and it's um and it's set in a world but just this may help kind of the viewers get it it's set in a world where and i'll give you the background of the world so and and we don't do like the um the uh the we don't do the thing where we're like hyper fixated on like lore so we just put you right into it but here's the lore um, in this world, America develops automation in the 1950s. It's not automation as we know it today. It's automation. It's like Iron Giant style automation. Mm-hmm. And unemployment just skyrockets 
So the company, the, the biggest tech company of the time called Eden, in, introduces universal basic income. And then people are like, whoa, what the fuck? This is awesome. Yay. And everything's, everything's great. And then Eden goes, okay, well, everyone gets this many credits, but if you spend it in Eden stores, they're worth double. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, whoa, that's awesome. So overnight, Eden becomes the economy. Uh, overnight, America stops being called America and they just call it Eden. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start social control. They're like, look, uh, if you do X, Y, and Z, you get extra credits. By the way, if you don't watch this TV show, you get docked credits. No. Mm. And then, um, you know, there's no labor force. So they genetically engineer a hybrid race, a race of hybrids, animal, human hybrids to uh, be the labor force mm. for specific tasks. Yeah. And then you find out that, hey, actually automation wasn't fully real. <laughs> like they had it, they kind of had it, but then they were also using prisoners, putting prisoners in these VR prisons to be Uber drivers effectively. <laughs> like, so yeah, um, that's the, that's the sales pitch. It's pretty cool. It's, it's got a lot of like, it's got a lot of really interesting, cool ideas. So, um, yes. Yeah. All right. Heck yeah. Um, I love you, dude. I love you too. Like we're going to look back when we're very old and this is going to be very meaningful. Each one is not this podcast. I mean, this relationship. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, this podcast too. Why this not? This podcast too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet man. Well, so long everybody. <laughs>